Welcome to the Center for Spiritual Living Santa Rosa, a spiritual community that promotes global transformation through personal transformation. At the Center, we are motivated by a compelling vision of a healthy, loving world, which we call the Global Heart Vision. This vision inspires us to bring the gifts of compassion and loving-kindness to the world through our ministries and teaching. What you are about to hear is a recording of a message delivered at the Center for Spiritual Living Santa Rosa. Feel welcomed. Feel at home. Today's topic is Boldly Go. The theme for the whole month is creativity. And um, clearly, Boldly Go is a reference to a movie, right? Yes, yes. Well, it's the introductory text that was spoken at the beginning of many Star Trek television episodes and films from 1966 onward. You know, it said, um, space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of of the Starship Enterprise, its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Right? You know, that, that phrase sparked a whole discussion about grammar. <laughs> Wouldn't you know about grammar? You know, because people get very upset with, about split infinitives, you know. So the discussion was, should it be to go boldly rather than to boldly go? Kind of missing the whole point. <laughs> so today we're not focusing on correct grammar or correct anything. We're focusing on the boldly part and the, the messy act of creation because creation sometimes is not logical. It's not, well, it's whimsical. It's sort of outrageous in a way. And so when I take that and put it into my life, if I want to go somewhere in my life that I haven't been before, likely I'm going to need to venture beyond the path I already know. I might need to get a little adventurous, even messy, color outside the lines, maybe. And I'm thinking of the... uh, this phrase that's attributed to Emerson, I believe it's his, always do what you're afraid to do. Though my question in the journal is going to be, what stops me, I already wrote it down in my, I got another copy of it, what stops me from being bold? Well, I know what my answer is, maybe yours is similar. Fear and worry. They are kind of like partners in crime, co-collaborators, and they can, when I let them, they can stop me from doing things that I haven't done before. They've got excellent reasons. They, they can stop me from, they can stop me from doing things I'm not yet good at because fear and worry are also related to perfectionism. I was discussing this with somebody about my tremendous fear of messing up. And he sent me a poem, a Mary Oliver poem titled, I Worried. You know what you're in for, right? Because you know Mary Oliver, right? Here it goes. I worried a lot. Will the garden grow? Will the rivers flow in the right direction? Will the earth turn as it was taught? And if not, 
How shall I correct it? Was I right? Was I wrong? Will I be forgiven? Can I do better? Will I ever be able to sing? Even the sparrows can do it. And I am, well, hopeless. Is my eyesight fading? Or am I just imagining it? Am I going to get rheumatism, lockjaw, dementia? Finally, I saw that worrying had come to nothing. And I gave it up. And I took my old body and went into the morning and sang. Isn't that a beautiful poem? To go boldly. And it makes me think that the whole purpose, well, in one aspect, the whole purpose of our teaching, I think, is to live a more consciously creative life and to learn how to meet our worries and our challenges, to meet them and to move through them so that we don't sleepwalk through life, unconsciously just taking whatever random thing appears I want to be bolder. I want to be more awake, and I want to be more creative, and I want to make good choices in my life. Like the people who founded this teaching, they used to be called students of truth. The transcendentalists, Thoreau, Emerson, Troward, Hopkins, the great thinkers. And they had in common that they saw that there is a wisdom inside of you and me, a guiding creative force that can tell us everything and anything we need to know in order to be able to thrive in this life. A wisdom that can guide us in the direction of the life that we long to live if we but knew how to recognize it and listen to it. That's one of the challenges of living a spiritual life. You know, following that inner guide. We call it intuition. And being able to sort it out from all the other voices that are in us. Do you have a few voices in you? Two. (laughs) hundred. You know, which is the voice of truth that I should boldly follow or follow boldly into new unknown territory? You know, because my inner voices, they're not all saying the same thing. Sometimes they're in conflict with each other. Um, you know, get up, you're going to be late. Sleep a bit longer, your body needs it. Well, they're both rational, <laughs> both correct. It's just different advice. So I had to learn. I had to learn how to pay closer attention, not only to the information, but to the feeling in the information. And I'm getting better at sorting out all the different voices through the feeling. It's not yet a perfect system, but I'm pretty sure that intuition never suggests violence. Never humiliates, never criticizes, never suggests dishonesty. See, my intuition I'm learning has got a character, a very fine character, and so does yours. You can count on that. So I've learned to listen to the energy of intuition to get 
familiar with its character, and it's helped me to sort out the difference between my worry voice and my intuitive voice. And one of the ways I learned to do this is by making friends with all of the voices in me. So I, I don't make my worry voice my enemy. Unru unwelcome. Wrong. I don't shut down my fear voices and tell it to shut up. I used to. So instead, I have learned to talk to my voices and to ask, what is it that you want me to know? And sometimes I write down exactly what the fear voice or the worry voice is saying in, in my journal because then when I see it on a piece of paper, I can examine it with a kind-hearted attitude. I see, I... I, I I would, in the past, I would try to shut down those voices and, you know, just deny them and turn away from them. And you know what that resulted in? They just cried out even louder. With more and more urgency, demanding my attention. So I had to learn a new way. No violence toward myself. I had to learn to say to my whole self, I hear you. I feel you, I see you, and that simple act of acknowledgement, it sort of took the pressure off, you know, because then it's like all the voices felt, okay, he's going to pay attention, he's going to listen. And it also made room for my intuitive voice that's also in me to shine, to, to come out, to be noticed, to be heard. So there's an exercise that I did, and you might want to do this for yourself. It's like, take some time, with a, you'll need a bigger journal than this one, and name all the voices in you. Give them a title, describe their role. Try to identify their function. You can even think of them as an inner board of directors. Which one's the treasurer? Which one's the president? Which one's the argumentative one? But try to use kind-hearted descriptions it's a wonderful exercise. Mm. Now, voices are heard, but do you know some, and maybe you're one of these people, some people experience their intuition through their bodies. Like, the intuition is experienced as a feeling, a body sensation, or it would be if they were more in touch with their bodies. The room went quiet. <laughs> you see, it can be difficult for someone to feel their body and to receive its guidance when they've grown apart from their body. You know what I mean? Like when we forget that we have one. The, the good news, and this is from my experience, is that our body's wisdom comes alive pretty quickly with very little kind-hearted attention from us. It gives way more for the very little that we invest in it. Drink more water. Take more walks in nature. Go with Reverend Russ on the first Saturday of the month. To, it's a gentle walk through nature. It's a beautiful thing to give to yourself. Get adequate sleep, Edward and Russ. Nourish your body properly. Give your body pleasure. A lot. 
the room went quiet again. Groom it. Thank it. Talk to it. And listen to it. In other words, have a relationship with your body that is mutually nourishing so that when you do have that gut feeling experience, you're tuned in to what's going on and you can notice it, pause, and ask yourself, what is intuition trying to say to me through my body? You know, I remember a time when I was going to an appointment to set up a business deal. I was all ready. I was all dressed up and spiffed spiffy with a suit on and everything. And then I started to notice I was feeling so tired for absolutely no good reason, exhausted, as if my body wanted to stop me. It turned out that I should never have gone to that meeting. It was a bad situation and a bad deal. Afterwards, I spent some time going over this feeling of tiredness, and I recognized that sometimes when I'm scared, I get tired. But also, I sometimes get super tired when my intuition is trying to get my attention, as if it's trying to sell, tell me something gently, like slow down for a moment. Wait, wait, hey, hey, hey. Pause. Ask, what's going on here? So now, when I feel tired for no particular reason, which is different from feeling tired because I didn't get adequate sleep, when I feel tired for no particular reason, I know to pay attention. Now, the people who put together these themes for the year, they gave some suggestions for how we might use a journal to develop a relationship with our body's intelligence and our intuitive intelligence. You know, you could journal the answers to these questions on your own. They're great. Or you can just think about them now. I do it in the first person. What do I do naturally that I love and always think about doing? You want to bring that into your awareness because sometimes we deny ourselves. Maybe you love being outdoors. Maybe you can't get enough of reading. Maybe you like experiencing new things or watching airplanes fly or growing roses or cleaning tarnish of old collectibles. Who knows? Second question, where do I lose myself in an experience and what is it? What causes you to lose all track of time? Maybe it's playing with your grandchildren. Maybe it's fixing wobbly legs on a chair. Maybe it's going through the kitchen and putting everything in its correct right place. You know, what is it? Next question. Where am I the most at home in my own skin? What is it that you're doing? When you're in your body, is it making bread? Is it polishing your car? Is it skiing? Is it knitting? Is it learning about Tuscany? I don't know. The last one. What is the one thing that makes my heart sing more than anything in the world? It might be singing. It might be visiting an art museum. Maybe it's social justice work. 
Maybe it's activism of some kind. Maybe it's um, volunteering at a, an animal shelter. What is it? And as we develop an awareness of this, then we can give those experiences to ourselves. And as we do, we become more available to the whole system of wisdom that is part of who we are. There is another challenge to living an intuitive life. Of course there is. And it's this. It's when I do recognize the voice of intuition and I don't listen. I do exactly the opposite of what I know I ought to do. Why? Your, question, your answers are probably your own. I mean, I know mine is back to fear again, fear of the unknown. You know, unlike the crew of the Starship Enterprise, I don't always want to go boldly where no one has gone before. I will wait a moment while you dive in. I want to see how that works out for you. I'll hang out in the comfort zone, and then when you've come back, we'll think about it. I'm seeing now the problem with that is that it adds up to a life that is designed by somebody else. I also have fear of getting it wrong because I don't want to look stupid. I also worry about disturbing other people's equilibrium or getting in their face or their business. Uh, or I'm worried about what other people think about me. Have you got any of that? You know, I have a dual role. I'm also the spiritual leader of the whole of Centers for Spiritual Living. And in my role, I'm supposed to write position papers on important topics. So this month, of course, the important topic, Earth Day, was March 22nd. And so I thought, it's time to write a paper about planetary wellness, or some people are calling it planetary justice. And although climate change continues to be something that is debated it's still a matter that calls upon people of faith and across cultures uh, to work together with, to engage in and learn about and find solutions. And in our movement, we haven't really had a history of connecting social issues with spiritual issues. So I was worried about getting pushed back. Am I staying in my lane? Will I offend people? But something in me told me, you must write it. So instead of doing the opposite... You know, I, I thought of Emerson, I always do the thing you're afraid to do, and I wrote the paper. So within minutes of publishing it, the feedback started to come. The first one was, thank you. Thank God you're doing this. The second was, thank you, but you got it wrong. Here's what you should have done. The third one was, you must be crazy to believe that there is actually a problem based on a faulty computer projection. And I was like, wow. Now, I mention this because what I learned again for the hundredth time is that our intuitive choices, following our intuitive guidance, will not necessarily please everyone. In fact, following your intuition may prompt you to challenge structures, to question authority, to examine habits, to look at the way things have always been. And if I want to go in new directions, can I continue going in old paths? 
The benefit of following your intuition, though, is that gradually you might even begin to notice that there is a lovely freedom in not being responsible for how, for how other people think. There's a lovely responsible, if there's a lovely freedom also in, well, not knowing how a thing will work out. Or if it will work out at all. It can give the space in a person to breathe and flow and to be with what is happening. Living a, an intui intuition-guided life may not always be easy to do. Um, listening to and following in the knowledge might take some courage. Standing up for your life does also. It can be uncomfortable. Following your intuition may make you feel uncomfortable. May produce changes in your life that you don't even think you're ready for quite yet. But in my opinion, anything short of that seems to be, well, a half-life. You're half-happy, not really unhappy, but not joyful. Half alive, not quite dead, <laughs> but just not vibrant. Half in love, not unloved per se, but just not crazy in love. And I've lost interest in a life half lived. And I see that around me. I see people being fed up with settling. I want to do what my soul urges me to do. Um, you know, that could mean different things to different people. Maybe that means leaving the world a better place, slightly better place when I leave it. Or maybe it means finding a way to do no harm. Or maybe it means becoming an instrument of peace. Or maybe it means giving up trying so hard. Or maybe it means stopping trying to be all things to all. I don't know what it means to you. But, but I want to live boldly, and I, I want to feel the presence of Spirit lifting me up every single day. I want to sense the genius and passion of divine life, of a creative mind that is all around me and through me. And I want that for you, for everyone. Still, there should be a warning label on the product you're learning how to live an intuitively guided life, it should say, may take time to perfect. Right? And in the beginning, it's, it's easy to make mistakes because some of those voices inside are compelling. You can even, you know, do things wrong. So, so maybe it's a good, maybe the label should say, start with small steps and and. Build confidence over time before you take on the biggest issues of your life with an intuitive response. I've seen people do that who want to make intuitive changes to their life on major issues, but they have not done the groundwork. They've been living primarily in their heads, and so the quick switch over to intuitive living can be disastrous. They haven't done the groundwork. 
So I say start now, but start simple. Start experimenting and start noticing the feeling tone of what is it like to be nudged in a direction by intuition. Start with something safe. You know the Sonoma County Fair is coming soon and uh, the state fair. So what if I took a day at the fair, for example, and bought my ticket, went in, and let myself go in whatever direction without any agenda or program to see where intuition took me on this path or that path. I'm talking about starting that safely. Because in that scenario, there's not much to lose. <laughs> You're not going to get lost. You're going to have a good time one way or another. You're not going to risk your whole livelihood and your family, your well-being, but you might begin to experience the freedom that comes with following. Then you can expand on that. What is it like to follow an impulse to do something out of the box? To go boldly where I haven't been before. To do something I've never done before. Maybe something even out of character with a higher risk factor because now I've been practicing. I, I know enough when to adjust. I can feel. And, and I think that if you begin to experiment in this way, you may notice that the experimentation influences the way you make all the choices in your life. From what you have for breakfast to what you wear to where you will go. And even your decisions in big, important matters may soften. And as you find yourself depending on your inner world more and more and more to guide you. And I think that the question then that will begin to live in you and me in a new way, might be something like this. What should I do next? And then the answer, I think, will be, be quiet. Listen. And then, go boldly. I invite you to breathe in with me. And to exhale, letting your eyes close as we join in a moment of spiritual practice with the treatment for this month. Love, peace, beauty, joy, creativity. These are but a few of the qualities of divine intelligence. The intelligence that is the source of everything that is and that is everywhere present. I am an extension of this divine intelligence. I am a thread in its ongoing tapestry of life. It weaves my path as part of the whole. As I realize this truth for myself, I recognize it as being accurate for all of life. And so from this awareness then, I relax into the flow of infinite possibilities I affirm in me a greater appreciation of all forms of art and music and creative ways. I claim a renewed interest and emphasis on the beauty of nature. And I declare through this renewed interest 
that we are collectively creating a world that works a little better for all. Deeply grateful for this awareness, I give thanks. And I release my word into the infinite law, and I live from the truth. And so it is. <laughs>